0: values and strong opinions The Mike Broomhead show KTAR News 923 FM and the KTAR News app Good morning
1: everybody and happy January this is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead And uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, in this segment about uh, an annual event that happens in Washington, D.C. and in just about every state in America. Uh, Every year since 1973, when the Roe versus Wade decision was made by the U.S. Supreme Court. On a five-four decision, the smallest of majorities that could possibly happen uh, was uh, that's been reversed. But every year since uh, 1973, there's been a march on Capitol Hill with uh, uh, counter-protesters uh, from the uh, uh, the uh, pro-choice uh, forces. Isn't it interesting how, first of all, the the the, the titles uh, for these uh, organizations came to be. The national right to life. Who who would be against life? And then on the other side of the equation, uh, the the national uh, pro-choice or right to choice movement. Who would be against personal choices and personal freedoms? It's interesting how we play with semantics. But when you think about um, where we're at and where we've been, let me just talk about uh, you know where uh, what's happened over the last year. So, Roe versus Wade, uh, back, clear back in 1973, changed the law of the land where, at that time, most of the states were responsible for, uh, abortion legislation. A lot of people don't understand that the division of power, uh, between the state and the federal government is pretty profound and our founding fathers actually gave the states really most of the authority to create laws that impact people's lives i know that the line on that's been blurred over the years because the federal government has usurped more and more and more authority taking things that they never even were given constitutional purview over like the federal department of education which by the way wasn't even created until 1979 uh under uh, uh president jimmy carter Uh, The EPA, another example, uh, was never ever uh, discussed or given authority under the Constitution. That was created, uh, interestingly enough, by President Richard Nixon. Uh, But uh, abortion, like uh, uh, capital offenses, uh, was uh, to be decided by the states. And in 1973... Uh, The U.S. Supreme Court said, no, a woman has a constitutional right to have an abortion. And so the Constitution obviously overrides states' uh, role in uh, passing laws that impact people's lives. And so the authority for regulating abortion policy was taken away from the states, given to the federal government, and basically said that abortions uh, will basically be... uh, on demand and that 's what it 's been uh, for the last uh, fifty years that uh, we 've really uh, abortion has proliferated in this country, and the dirty little truth that a lot of people don 't like to talk about is that disproportionately uh, abortion hits uh, in lower income and minority communities, uh, and uh, the founder. Uh, of uh, the national pro-choice movement, uh, the the Planned Parenthood, uh, was actually Margaret Sanger, who uh, was, by most historical uh, understandings, uh, somebody that uh, believed that we uh, should stop minorities from having babies. Uh, She was what they call a eugenist, and that basically was uh, decreasing uh, the number of uh, minority babies uh, born into our population population specifically African American babies and Margaret Sanger was an avid eugenist and the founder of the planned parenthood movement. So anyway, um, where we've come over the last 50 years, every year since 1973, there's been a march on Capitol Hill and marches across uh, the country in every state i participated in many of those, and uh, I know Mike uh, uh, is uh, very, very uh, unabashed in declaring uh, his views when it comes to gun rights, uh, the Second Amendment, when it comes to being pro-life. I am, too. I'm an unabashedly pro-life person. Uh, I have four children. I have nine grandchildren. Uh, I have a, I've been there uh, for the birth of every one of my children uh, in the room with my wife, and it was a very almost religious experience, one of the most wonderful experiences I've ever had in my life. Uh, I have seen uh, the ultrasounds uh, on those children. Uh, you can't convince me that that's not a living human being. Uh, it's not just a lump of flesh it's somewhere would have you believe. Uh, It is a living human being and uh, has a God-given right, as uh, the preamble uh, says, that uh, for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we have, every American has a fundamental right to life. And uh, I, I strongly believe that. But as you talk about Uh, where most Americans stand. You know, I was uh, a U.S. congressman for 10 years, and was a state senator for four years before that, and I've seen numerous polls on these questions. I've listened to people. In fact, I I remember one of my very uh, first debates when I was running for Congress uh, back in 1994. Uh, I was the only Republican uh, at the time in the primary who considered themselves pro-life. All the other candidates considered themselves pro-choice, and one of the the uh One of the candidates uh, said, uh, don't you know you can't get elected being pro-life? And so I got up to the microphone and I said, well, then I guess uh, there's some things worth losing elections for. Uh, This is such an important issue. I think we need to dedicate more time to it. But most Americans are somewhere in between. They consider themselves pro-life, but they still believe uh, that women should be able to have control of their bodies. And most people that are pro-choice also believe uh, in the right to life. So it's interesting. interesting. It's a real dichotomy, and it's something we're going to flesh out a little bit later on. But uh, please stick with me. We'll be talking more about this later uh, and and, uh, talking about what the real laws are and what they aren't. So stick with us. This is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR.
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app.
1: Good morning, Arizona. This is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR. And uh, there was a lot of hoopla a few months ago about the uh, fact that there were all kinds of uh, confidential documents, top secret documents. Uh, classified documents at the uh, uh, the resort for uh, Donald Trump, Mar-a-Lago, and uh, that they were unprotected. And there was a hue and cry across America that that was the height of irresponsibility. I mean, for heaven's sake, he could have had the nuclear codes for anybody to stumble across. And it was such a serious thing that this is what President Joe Biden said about it. How that could possibly happen. How anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? And by that, I mean names of people who helped, et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. Harsh words for a guy that actually did exactly the same thing. In fact, you've probably seen in the last few weeks uh, uh, stories that identified that... uh, Vice President Biden uh, put some documents next to his uh, 1969 Corvette in a box, and uh, they were unaccounted for. And that leads us to, I think, an important discussion. What exactly are the rules on classified information? As a former U.S. congressman myself, I was allowed to go into several classified briefings. In fact, I remember uh, going into the basement of the... uh, uh, w- w- one of the uh, house office buildings and having uh, national security folks on either side of me as I perused documents about uh, Monica Lewinsky's uh, relationship uh, with President Bill Clinton. Uh, that was during the uh, impeachment uh, proceedings of Bill Clinton. And I was uh, privy to all kinds of uh, private documents uh, that uh, and, and classified documents that were part of that investigation, and I was instructed within an inch of my life to make sure that I didn't divulge any of those uh, uh, pieces of information. So that leads us to uh, far more important fish to fry. I mean, obviously, the presidents have uh, uh, access to the most classified of any documents. They, the buck stops here. They make all the decisions, in the, and this is a piece that was written uh, on, uh, by uh, Toulouse. uh, Olarunapa with the Washington Post in the final hours of a president's term, amid the hubbub of transition talks, eleventh-hour pardons, and last-minute executive orders, officials from the National Archives and Records Administration quietly descend on the White House in an attempt to ensure compliance with the president's Records Act. And the president's Records Act was uh, actually passed in 1978 after President Richard M. Nixon had sought to destroy White. White House tapes during the Watergate scandal specified that presidential records belong to the public and are to be turned over to NARA, that's the National Archives and Records Administration, the archives at the end of the presidency. The act also covers vice presidential records and applies to classified documents, which are also governed by other laws. But the statute can be difficult to carry out in practice because government archivists have little ability to order presidents or vice presidents to comply. So this order, this law, has no teeth. Go figure, folks. We pass an important measure like that to make sure that classified documents are protected And there's no teeth put into the act. Well, I can tell you that so much of what happens in Washington is toothless, and some would say brainless. Uh, But the fact is uh, that uh, we have now... Uh, a president that uh, had boxes and reams of uh, classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago estate and uh, another vice president who uh, in a foot-in-mouth type uh, statement criticized vociferously uh, the past president for having those documents and saying how irresponsible it is and then uh, found out that he had actually done the same thing. Now his comments about that much more subdued of course saying you know i i didn't know about that i you know I, i'm sure there's a lot of things that uh, uh, president biden actually doesn't know and the, the volumes of that could uh, create books and books anyway uh, i'm matt salmon in for mike broomhead and you're listening to ktar stick with us
0: And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app.
1: Good morning, everybody. This is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead on this January morning. And I'm thrilled that uh, you're still out there. And uh, so Ruben Gallego is going to be announcing he's running for the Senate. I can hear the sound of Champagne Cork's hopping over at the uh, state Republican party. I'm sure they're nothing but thrilled that the fact Ruben Gallego is entering into the fray. Uh, Ruben Gallego and others did everything they could uh, to try to get uh, Carrie Lake the nomination for governor because they believed that uh, uh, somebody on the extreme side of the equation would be far easier to beat. And they were right uh, that Katie Hobbs was able to win that election uh, predominantly because uh, of uh, Kerry Lake's uh, ties to Trump and uh, denying uh, the election. But I can tell you along those same lines, uh, I can tell you that a lot of Republicans are thrilled that Ruben Gallego is going to be getting into the mix because extremists on both sides of the equation, either on the far right or the far left, do not do well in Arizona politics on a statewide basis. And you can't find anybody that clings to the far left any further left than Ruben Gallego uh, from Arizona. So uh, I I, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, Kirsten Sinem will be on the program later. Uh, She has uh, been somebody that made promises about uh, being a more independent voice, about being a maverick, about being uh, somebody that would work on bipartisan solutions. And whether you like her or you don't like her, you've got to admit she's done exactly what she said she was going to do to the T. She has fought uh, for Arizona and fought uh, uh, in a bipartisan way, uh, crossing the aisle many times to get things done. And I think it'd be an interesting debate to be had Who's actually gotten things done in their position in the Congress? Uh, and I, I can't wait to hear that debate because I think Kirsten's got a strong uh, message to bring forward. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, in uh, They did a uh, thorough – excuse me, I'm, I'm doing my quotation marks. You can't see me, but I'm doing them with my fingers – a uh, thorough investigation to find out who leaked that information uh, on the Supreme Court decision on Roe versus Wade. And on uh, Thursday, they had a month-long investigation that has concluded has failed to identify who leaked in May the draft of the opinion over, uh, overruling Roe versus Wade. The first public statement since Chief Justice John Roberts announced the probe a day after Justice Samuel... Samuel Alito's draft opinion was published Um, so uh, the uh, uh, court included a statement from Michael Chertoff a former federal circuit judge and secretary of homeland security who was asked to independently review the investigation supervised by Ms. Curley Mr. Chertoff said Ms. Curley and her staff conducted a thorough investigation with their legal authorities and made recommendations to prevent future leaks yada 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 I mean, come on, guys. The fact that we can't get to the bottom of this thing, uh, it's not like uh, there's a million people uh, working uh, for the U.S. Supreme Court justices. And it's clear that it was one of those people uh, that breached this information. And not only should that person be fired, but there should be uh, some severe penalties uh, for that having happened. Uh, Some found that report to be deficient. You think? Uh, it, in fact, this is a quote from uh, somebody I deeply respect. It's deeply troubling that Dobbs, the Dobbs leaker still has not been found. Senator Ted Cruz, Republican Texas, who has argued cases before the Supreme Court, said in a tweet, the Supreme Court depends on trust to deliberate, and this leak is incredibly damaging to the court's ability to function normally. So this leak is a serious breach, and we haven't gotten to the bottom of it. Um, we deserve better. So back to that issue, I, I mentioned earlier that right now uh, the marches are going to be happening on Capitol Hill and across the country. And I also mentioned in most polling, people find themselves somewhere in the middle. Uh, they believe that women should be able to have a right to choose, uh, uh, and, and certainly when it comes to the health of the mother and in the cases of rape or incest, that we ought to be open to those things. I think most people fall in that uh, category. And then those that call themselves uh, pro-choice, a a lot of them recoil at the thought of partial, partial birth abortions or third trimester abortions. And so uh, the Supreme Court decision actually has put the decisions back to the states and in Arizona, you know there was a big debate over whether our law that passed about the same time as statehood which disallowed anybody from having an abortion and had serious penalties for the abortion provider and the person asking for the abortion or the most recent last year passed and signed by Governor Ducey' fifteen-week abortion ban, and it has been decided by the courts that the fifteen-week uh, takes precedent over uh, all else. So, anyway, folks, I, I just uh, this debate is something that is an important thing to me uh, in somebody that believes in the sanctity of life, but also I know it's it's really important to those on the other side of the equation as well. But. When you look as a, at a strict understanding of the Constitution, and that's what the Supreme Court is supposed to decide, is it really something that should be decided at the state level or at the federal level? I'm one that believes that the Supreme Court made the right decision in uh, turning it back to the states, but uh, the debate is uh, never going to go away, folks. It's going to be with us forever, regardless of what the Supreme Court does, but We do deserve answers on who leaked that document in the first place. As a result of that leak, uh, Supreme Court justices' lives were threatened and uh, the U.S. Congress had to step up security uh, for members of our Supreme Court. And so each and every one of us, I think, Regardless of which side of the equation you fall on, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice or somewhere in between, as most Americans are, um, we deserve to have answers that our Supreme Court should uh, be able to operate uh, in the way that our founding fathers said they should be able to operate and they should be an independent body that should be able to de- decide the constitutionality of issues and not worry about uh, the politics of the day or public opinion. And so, folks, I think all of us deserve answers and we need a more thorough investigation we need to get to the bottom of this again this is matt salmon in for mike broomhead please stick with us on ktar
0: strong values and strong opinions the mike broomhead show ktar news 92.3 fm and the ktar news app Hey, it's Matt
1: Salmon, and again for Mike Broomhead, welcome to KTAR. Um, Christian leaders starting to break from Trump with an eye on DeSantis. This is uh, one of the lead stories uh, from the Washington Post. Longtime evangelical pastor Brad Cranston voted twice for Donald Trump. It wasn't perfect, Cranston reasoned, but he appointed conservative judges and advanced the anti-abortion cause. Last year, he thought he could back Trump again. But Trump flaws have only grown in Cranston's eyes as the former president launches a third bid for the White House while criticizing abortion opponents. At a time and fixating on himself and his 2020 election loss rather than on the country and on the issues, now Cranston is drawn to other prospective candidates with a strong biblical worldview. The one I really think has the best chance and is a fighter is Ron DeSantis, said Cranston, the Iowa-based founder of a national group called Baptists for Biblical Values. And another uh, conservative evangelical leader Uh, has made uh, this statement as well. Doubts about Trump have have intensified after an underwhelming midterm season for the GOP, which many blamed on Trump's freewheeling endorsements, divisive brand, and endless desire to relitigate his 2020 election loss with false claims. If Mr. Trump can't stop his petty little issues, how does he expect people to stop Major issues. One former evangelical advisor to Trump, James Robison, asked attendees at a Christian public gathering, excuse me, political gathering shortly after the midterms in November. David Lane, an evangelical organizer, used his regular email to pastors to ask, why did the red wave die on the vine? And to criticize Trump's compulsion to keep the spotlight upon himself. Folks, this is uh, something you're going to see. I think, uh, splashed out on, uh, the newspaper pages and across the internet and in political debates, especially in Republican circles, uh, this, uh, a week from tomorrow, a week from Saturday, the Republicans are going to get together, uh, to elect a new Republican chairman for the state of Arizona and, uh. Kelly Ward, who has been the chairman during some of the most divisive times and also uh, during some of the greatest losses uh, for Republicans uh, in key elections, is not running again. And uh, running to be her successor, I think we have four or five different candidates that are running. But that's one of the things that's going to be discussed. Uh, I'll be at that uh, debate. I'm a state uh, committeeman. And... uh, uh, the state committeemen are the people that get to elect uh, the state chairman. And one of the things that people are looking at is, number one, is the Republican Party of Arizona really supposed to involve itself in the primaries like it did uh, in the last election cycle? A lot of people are hoping, certainly not. And President Trump... Uh, former President Trump will be running not as an incumbent, but as a regular candidate. And a lot of people believe that uh, there should be no deferential treatment uh, to the Trump folks as they come into Arizona, no uh, giving them specific rallies uh, just to uh, rally for their campaign and making the state Republican Party just an adjunct to the Trump campaign. A lot of people, myself included, believe we need to move on beyond Trump, and that we need to pick a new standard bearer, a new nominee uh, to go and uh, uh, represent not just the Republican Party, but uh, uh, the United States of America in this crucial, crucial role. And uh, I can tell you, having served uh, in the Congress with Ron DeSantis, uh, that he is not only super, super wicked smart, but he's also somebody that has a spine uh, that uh, can't be broken. Uh, He's also somebody that uh, believes deeply in the Constitution of the United States and believes that uh, uh, the United States is uh, on a wrong path. And it's going to take courage and fortitude and the ability to be able to get things done and stand up uh, to countries like China uh, to uh, get our economy back on track, get government the hell out of uh, private sector. And let the private sector thrive and do what it does best, and that is grow jobs uh, for people. Because that's the rising tide that lifts all boats. When people have jobs, they have dignity and self-respect. And I've heard this said once, and I believe it with all my heart, and so I know Ron DeSantis does too. And that is that the best kind of welfare is actually a job, and it does something no government program could ever do for anybody. It provides dignity and self-respect that comes along with it, and I I, I just got to tell you, uh, Ron and I uh, ended up sponsoring a, uh, an amendment to the Constitution that would have actually required Congress to live under the same laws that it passes on to everybody else. You wouldn't think something like that would be necessary, but time and time again, while Congress passes laws on on the rest of America they exempt themselves and Ron was uh, proud to sponsor that with me I've seen as uh, he's been governor of Florida a willingness to take on really, really tough issues, but to do it without baggage and to do it in a thoughtful, credible way and articulate a conservative message as a message of hope and opportunity and not making fun of his competitors or uh, criticizing anybody that disagrees with him, but talking about that shining city on a hill like Ronald Reagan used to do and talking about better days ahead and opportunities. That's what America's all about. It's the American dream. And I'm not apologetic about a conservative view. I think that the conservative view of getting government out of the way and allowing people to make the most important decisions in their lives and not government uh, doesn't take a village. It takes a family, a mother and a father and a family. And those are the important things that we need to be talking about today. And, and I think that, uh, really, there are a lot of people in the Republican Party that – are ready to move forward. I certainly am. And whether it's Ron, I know there are other great candidates uh, that are out there. Uh, you've got uh, uh, you've got uh, Nikki Haley, uh, who's from South Carolina, who, who is a credible candidate. Mike Pompeo, uh, former Secretary of State. Um, you've got Tim Scott, wonderful uh, uh, senator from South Carolina. Uh, you've got uh, Mike Pence. You've got a whole lot of people uh, out there talking about. It. I think uh, probably. probably Probably Ron DeSantis has the best shot at going forward, but time will tell. Uh, but I think a lot of Republicans are sick and tired of the game playing, the name calling. In fact, uh, when Trump sees, uh, DeSantis nipping at his heels, he comes up with another funny name like he loves to do. Uh, you know, he called Ted, uh, Ted Cruz Lying Ted and Marco Rubio Little Marchio and Low Energy Jeb. And now he's, uh, now he's calling Ron, Ron De Sanctimonious uh, and making jokes about his weight. And, uh, you know, it's just, come on, can we get beyond this stuff and can we get back to, uh, actually coming up with ideas and not just uh, uh, name-calling. And I, I, I think Ron DeSantis is somebody that certainly can and will fill that bill. And I think a lot of uh, uh, Christian leaders are starting to see that, too. That's why you're seeing the headline, Christian leaders start to break from Trump with an eye on DeSantis from The Washington Post. We've got a lot more to talk about in the next hour, so I hope you'll stay with me. This is Matt Salmon, in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR.